Yeah, no, so what, what are you up to? What are you into? Where are you at in life? <laughs> oh, me, I'm selling Kayamata part time. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I am screaming. <laughs> I am screaming. <laughs> he doesn't sound like he's joking. <laughs> no, he doesn't. This is why I'm like, hmm, you know what? <laughs> okay. Hi, guys. It's your host, Matilda. And your host, Hadiza. And your other host, Imama. And you're listening to the Africa Lipso podcast. Welcome back to today's episode, and we are joined by Nosa from the Culture Class Podcast. Hey, Nosa, how are you doing? Hey, girls. Uh, nice to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. How's your day been and your week, really? Uh, my week has been pretty busy. Uh, first, before I, I talk about my week, let me just say shout out to Papa Chita. I think he was one that tweeted and, and matched us on uh, Twitter. Uh, he so listens true. to both podcasts, so shout out to you. Aww. He's like the podcast connoisseur, really. He is the podcast connoisseur. He stands like the podcast so whisperer. many, yeah, so many podcasts, and he does it so well, like, like actively. I, I don't even follow podcasts anymore. What I do is I follow his SoundCloud accounts. And, and he whatever podcast is reposting, <laughs> those are the ones I listen to. That's crazy. So, That's crazy. Right. But shout out to him. Yeah, for sure. Today, we were actually meant to record a different topic, but we were meant to have another guest. But because they didn't show up, we're going to take a different direction, wow. really. Yeah. And we're talking about university and we're going to be comparing university in the abroad specifically canada because all three of us went to university here in canada and also university in nigeria which is also it varies because you could go to a public university and a, a private university like cu so i suppose the experience is also is also going to be different but yeah so no so can you tell I have us a quick if, question though yeah for sure what if i went to a university in, in Benin republic or something that's abroad right crying <laughs> Oh, I mean, I mean that's, that's it is abroad, abroad though. It is abroad. It's abroad. I guess we should maybe specify and say overseas. Yeah, that's why I said abroad, specifically Canada, because all three of us went to school here. Um, I guess it's also different. I have never actually heard the story of someone that went to uni in Ghana because it's so close to Nigeria. In Ghana, yeah, yeah. there are people actually go to uni in Ghana or is South Africa. System worse than Ghanaian education system. I think mm. so. If people are going to Ghana for abroad education, it's very I mean, shameful, you know. <laughs> I mean, but here we are. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go into our stories, Matilda and Hadiza, you guys, we haven't said how our weeks have been. There isn't really much to say because we've really been home. But, but I went to the gym yesterday. So hey, love that for look you. at that. Shout out to Doug Ford for reopening things. Because look at that. If he can just keep it open for two months, I can lose this belly that I've gained <laughs> from lockdown. But every time, every time he'll open it, he'll close it, he'll open it, he'll close it. Just leave the gym open, guys. But yeah, I get it. Corona is still out there. Yours? It's been okay. Just been very busy, but um, we move. So, Nosa, tell us about your... I mean, I've just been engrossed in... I mean, we're planning this event called People of Culture, and uh, it, it's holding next weekend, February 27th. I don't know when this episode is going to drop, but... Oh, before February that. February 27th, 6 p.m. Central. So, uh, it's just been a busy week. Like, you know, a virtual event looks easy, but it's not really easy. Like, we have technical people working with OBS. We have, like, graphic designers, video editors. When you're working with artists, managers from, like, 12 different African countries, like, I'm receiving insults in French, Portuguese, English. <laughs> 
different <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, we're just trying to put up about you know promises to be good, looking good already. You know, just confirmed all the panelists today. Keynote speaker is coming up in a few days. So uh, yeah, that's just what I've been working on all all month. To be honest, it's not just yeah. all week. So what made you want to do this event? Uh, I mean, we had one. We had a physical event in 2018 in Chicago. Um, we're supposed to do another one in DC in 2019 and another one in Denver. But, you know, with Corona and different things like those didn't hold, we didn't just want to, you know, make too much time pass and wait for a physical event. So we just decided to make it virtual. You know, I'm all about culture. Uh, my podcast is Culture Class Podcast. So people of culture is like, you know, bringing, educating people who are interested in African history, you know, African culture, but, you know, kind of like putting the medicine in the candy and doing that through entertainment, you know, poor tree things like that so okay i'm looking forward to that actually i feel like i'm going to try to drop by did you say it's going on the whole week or the event is actually on Saturday? no the event is february 27th 6 p.m central time got it if you guys are listening okay. and you want to join how can we check it out oh yeah you can just go to the website it's pocevent.com that's poc as in people of culture poc event dot com and yeah our eventbrite link is there there are free tickets and paid tickets you know you can get your free ticket or get a paid ticket and we'll send you some pounded yam or something it's all on the website okay oh, wait, I'm sorry. How, can you send pounded yam to canada i just oh us us only i'm sorry i'm sorry the, the logistics provider the freight costs with international shipping during the pandemic is crazy so mm-hmm. you guys just help us manage for now canada it's okay we actually want to I organize guess. a physical event in Toronto. Our DJ is from Toronto, so okay. we probably would do that in another year or year and a half. So Fuck hope you guys will be there. Mama, calm down. <laughs> no, you let me put that question. Will there be fun lady <laughs> There will be. You know, okay. hopefully the gym will be open twenty four seven by then. So, <laughs> that one <yeah>. today. <laughs> so you know, we eat and we burn it. Love yeah. it. Okay. Right. Okay, so Nosa, can you tell us a little bit about your uni experience? Like, where did you go to, first of all? And why did you pick that school? So I went to the University of Benin. Um, I think I got in December 2006, and I graduated January 2011. So, yeah, old head, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but what's going on with that Gen Z versus... um, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, over 30 Twitter, those are continue. (laughs) Over 30 Twitter, yeah. That's who we are. Um, But yeah, I... I mean, I'm, I'm from Edo States. Um, that didn't necessarily influence my decision in any way. I think like every Nigerian teenager in secondary school, I wanted to go to the University of Lagos. Um, but for some reason, Wait, sorry, like, I just question. knew. Did you go to, did you go to secondary school in Lagos or did you go to secondary school in like Edo? Mm, I went to second, I went to a military secondary school in Ibadan. So Air Force oh, secondary yeah. school in Ibadan. So it's, it was in Ibadan, but because it was a boarding school, like everyone was, like half the school was pretty much from Lagos. Mm-hmm. So we pretty much recreated the whole Lagos vibe. Where did in you Ibadan grow up kind of thing. Lagos. I grew up in all kinds of places. I want to say 40 or 50% of the time I was in Lagos, but my dad was in the military. So I lived in Abuja, Markordi, Port Harcourt, Benin, Uyo, 
uh, a whole bunch of places and it got to a, a time where he just couldn't take us you know it was you know disrupting school different things so he would just go on his own and leave us in lagos but i had the opportunity to live in about 20 states or something what's your best state yeah, that you've 20. lived in that random so question fun. yeah hmm that's interesting um this has nothing to do with the state but when we lived in Abel Kuta, uh, that's Ogun State, it's just the memories that were created while we lived there. I think I was about six and it was just, that was the first place like I experienced like freedom as a kid. Like we lived in this giant compound. I'll go outside, play, you know, just, it was just good times. My dad was, you know, he wasn't too high up in the military then. I was just six years old. So he would come back early, you know, he, he'll teach us how to drive his car, even though we're just six years old, we'll sit on his lap. So the memories growing up in Abel Kuta, it might not have had anything to do with the city, but those were fun memories. And of course, Abuja was a teenager in Abuja, so we could like steal the car, go pick up girls and stuff. So oh, that was shit. cool. Also. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yo, that's so nice. Like you're actually the real Nigerian. Like, right. no. <laughs> I guess. Like, yeah, because usually like if you grew up in Lagos, your view of Nigeria is Lagos. Or if you grew up in yeah. Portacot, your view of Nigeria is Portacot or like major cities. But you having lived in 20 out of 36 states, I feel like you might have a more rounded view, view of what of Nigeria. Nigeria is. But, yeah, yeah my, my dad was pretty in intentional and it, it led to me even like really you know learning about other cultures and my my even influenced me starting culture class and people of culture and things like that like i just got to interact with people from all these places that was just easy for me even going to boarding school and later moving to the u.s i used to live in washington dc well you know people from different countries where so all these things just made my affinity for other cultures just blossom and my dad encouraged it so mm. wow i love nice. to hear it i love hearing people so like interesting interesting stories yeah like my story is quite linear but that's pretty it just cool. shows you how cultured other people are you're just like okay well mm. here i am <laughs> but love it yeah okay so you you wanted to go to unilag but then what now happened yeah i wanted to go to, to unilag um i think back then this shows how old i was like when i was applying <laughs> for my first jam it wasn't the computerized thing it was on paper it was not available Sherry. <laughs> it wasn't on the website it was on paper so Loki, we, I when i did it too though the computer version was not around oh really so, yeah. okay maybe i'm not too so old shocking then. to me that you did jump me it was just always yeah it's my dad so said let's consider all options since <laughs> <laughs> you just might go to a university in nigeria so don't get comfortable yeah but yeah i, I love your popsy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i think i can't remember if we took the jam from home because we're in a boarding school and we couldn't really go home but i know i was talking about unilag and my dad has never really been anyone to force me to do anything like he you know allowed us to do what we want he was like a very free-spirited person you know growing up so he just like you know advised us and say hey you know why not consider places that you know you probably stand a better chance blah 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 blah, blah. so i think my first jam i applied to i can't even remember but i think it was the university of port harcourt and the university of ibadan or something something like that but my mom went to university of port harcourt and you know i i wanted to go to port harcourt to that was like why so you could be the, breaking bottom people said yeah, <laughs> something like that you know thank goodness i didn't go there because you know all my friends that went there you know different things happened yeah but um, <laughs> 
Jesus. But yeah, I was literally in Port Harcourt, I think, trying to write like the post UME exams or something when what is that? I received a call and said, Hey, a post UME exam, I think it started in 2005. This is the reason why I wrote Jam twice, by the way. My first year of Jam, I wrote Jam, I think I scored like 242 or something. What's Jam that also? The- Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys out of four hundred, two forty two out of four hundred. So it's kind of like the SAT mm-hmm. something. So, mm-hmm. so that was kind of like okay. Uh, most of the cutoff for schools was uh, two hundred, mm-hmm. and back then it was difficult to score three hundred. Unlike now, like nowadays, like jam. Like my sister wrote drama, she was like three something. Like back then, you have like maybe six people in the country that scored like three hundred, and everyone yeah. would fall between like two seventy something, two fifty something. I scored two forty two, but that was the year they introduced. They were trying to introduce a post-UME exam. So an exam where JAM is a central exam like the SATs, then each university had their individual exam that's called oh. post-UME. So Uniband had theirs, Unilag had theirs, but there was so much confusion going that's on. They were like, over. should we start this year? Should we start next year? You know how things go in Nigeria. In Nigeria. Like, ultimately, they started <laughs> that year and I missed it. I didn't write it. Oh, so uh, that's why I had to write JAM again. But it was, it was nice because, you know, that one year, a lot of things happened. I was like, 16 going on 17 like i really came into my own no 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 not in that sense <laughs> just me coming into my own yeah. me seeing the world I, I was very very independent that yeah i like started driving like did you go I, to computer I, school I not I quite. I, I didn't go to computer school. No, don't do that. Don't say that. There have been computers for a while. What do you Clarify your statement. Okay, but no, so where like was there computer school in those like in then? Um, I think cyber cyber cafes were just phasing out yeah. back then. By the way, I'm 32, so uh, if that gives some perspective. What do you think he's 50? Like, if that gives some perspective, but um, but yeah, I, I went to uh, uh there, there's this thing they used to call like lessons, like for people who are waiting on jam in quote, like you go to like these evening lessons to help you prep for jam. And some of those evening lessons were paired with like computer centers. So I went to the lessons. I wasn't really there for the computer stuff, but it was there. So, but you know, you might go to pretend to type or whatever if you want to talk to a girl, but you know, (laughs) you're you're there for, for jam lessons pretty much. But yeah, I ended up going to Uniben, you know, thought I would land at the University of Portacourt, but I was offered admission in accounting at the University of Benin starting December, 2006. So I have a question. So did you pick what you wanted to do in school or did they just assign it to you based on your... I heard they assign. um, (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. It's funny. The Nigerian system is interesting. Right, right. Yeah, and that happens a lot, right? Where you want to study medicine and they'll give you like botany or something. And they'll say, come and study agriculture. No, unfortunately, I I received what I applied for. I applied for accounting. Did you say Um, unfortunately? Fortunately. No, fortunately. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's something like I received, uh, you know, I was, yeah, I was, I, that wasn't really uh, in school. I was, I was a lot more serious when I was younger. So um, I used to do a little bit above average. So yeah, I received my course of choice. Uh, there was no problem there. Yeah, I think it's based on your score that they kind of place you. So like, if you're in the top right. percentile, you get what you actually ask for. But right. if you apply for medicine or something and your your score is not doing medicine things, they'll just say, yeah, just <laughs> consolation prize, take zoology. Right. <laughs> it also depends on the school. Like, um, yeah, the score, correct, but you need to s- score higher 
if you're going to a popular school like Unilag, for instance, if I mm-hmm. were applying to accounting Unilag, I probably would have gotten with the score um, I eventually got into Uniben with, but, you know, a lot more people are applying to Unilag, so that might not work for someone who scored like, I don't know, 210 or 215 mm-hmm. in jam, you know, that kind of thing. But Uniben was, you know, it was okay. It wasn't as popular as Unilag, but it was like top five, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I heard like okay. for schools like Unilag, you have to put them as your first choice or you just don't get in. Yeah, a lot of myths, you know, there there are a lot of things in Nigeria that are half-truths in a way. Like, they were true or they might have been true at certain times, but people just carry that, you know, like, oh, if you see an egg on the floor and you pick it up, you turn to a tuber of yam or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe that happened once in 1954. Oh, you even but, think it happened. But, you, know, you know, that doesn't mean that every single time you pick up an egg on the floor, you turn, oh you know, so, but okay, Nigeria I has this I think it's money. Like, yeah. why are you oh, picking whatever. up an egg? <laughs> you ask I'm for just it. Saying, whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Definitely I'm actually interested to hear about your story because, you know, a few, I think two of you said you didn't write jam at all. Like, yeah. uh, you know, how was your secondary school experience like? Like, no. was everyone writing A <laughs> levels or O levels? Like, no one even like, you know. <laughs> the only Nigerian exam I wrote was in grade nine, the NECO. Lucky British then, though. Yeah. Oh, you didn't write Wyatt or anything I didn't write like Wyatt or anything What like school that? did you go to? Was it Grange or... No, I went to uh, Lucky British. Okay. Yeah, so I only wrote the IGCSEs. And I originally, I wanted to go to school in the UK. But then the school I specifically wanted to go into was like, oh, I was too young to enter into. So they had actually admitted me for the following year A-levels. But I didn't want to wait a year at home because I knew what that might look like. So I said, okay, um, time to consider other options. And then <laughs> I, I applied to come to school in Canada. Isn't it so interesting that there's schools in, I know it's like the other curriculums and everything, but mm. it's so interesting that there are schools in Nigeria that literally prep you to not go to school. University yeah, of Nigeria. Legit. It's weird because both my schools, because, okay, so my first school, I went to Turkish, right? Nigerian Turkish. Literally, we sang their national anthem. <laughs> wow. So, and I'm then, screaming. yeah, so it's, <laughs> at least, I mean, they, we, we had to write Nigerian exams, of course, at least that school, but like British, like nothing. You, you had to organize it by yourself if you were going to write Right, but, like yeah. Your mama, what's your own route? <laughs> My own route was slightly was different. So essentially, I didn't write any of the exams. I didn't write IGCSE. Yeah, you didn't even do SS3. Nine. I didn't do SS3 essentially. So I literally left from. Get SS3. out of here! You didn't do SS3. <laughs> I didn't do SS3, though. Wow. <laughs> no, but it's Shout actually wise. Imama, explain, though, why. Okay, so I didn't do SS3. So essentially what I did was I kind of came to Canada and we did something that was called... It was kind of like SS3. It was kind of like year 12 in Canada, to be honest. It was called pre-uni, but it was essentially just you taking your 12 courses in Canada so you could get the... Um, it's the Ontario High School Certificate and that way you can apply to uni using that certificate. So that's kind of what I did. So I did my secondary school and I Nigeria. Then I came to Canada. I did my SS3, my year 12. I wrote their exams and I applied to school from here using the Ontario High School Certificate. Yeah, that's basically I did it, but because Imama had an older brother that had already been here. So like, I feel like we started to understand that that's actually what you're doing because you come here and you kind of do grade 12 again. And that helps Mm -hmm. you. It helps you basically get into their unis with their like their courses. Yeah, it makes it so much easier. 
like you can come directly from Nigeria, but it's just like I don't know how. Like I mean, it's just slightly harder. I think I'm not feel first year if I came straight from Nigeria. Nigeria. It's funny you say that because I went to school in in Ibadan, right? And in Ibadan, you had like three tiers. You had like the bougie school, like the ISR International School Ibadan. Then you had us, kind of like in the middle. They had like the Lalupon Grammar School, you know, shout out to anyone who went there. So we had, we pretty much had like people who wrote YEC and wrote, you know, all those IGCSE and stuff like yeah. to Grabra. So we had a mix of people. Why will be, you know, playing football and like, dude, what are you reading for? Like exams are over. Oh, you know, I have this other exam I have to write, you know, in th- two weeks, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we're young at the time and not all of us knew what was what, but it, it was, it was pretty interesting experiencing that as well so yeah but. i think that was my school's experience so our school was unlike hadiza's school they're the kind of school that preps you for any and everything they said vibes if it's <laughs> if it's job you want to do no, it we had we had range you know forward thinkers they said oh range. do you want to go to the uk okay we'll prep you guys for igcse <laughs> i did igcse so, do you want to do jam we have lessons for it why your dad was an alignment that's cool, must too, have been by an evil man. <laughs> our principal was evil, actually. <laughs> actually. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yes. Our, our principal was evil, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like anything you want, we got it. I feel my dad is a very big believer on opening your options because he, mm. he really doesn't like trying to limit your options because I feel like he understood like life can happen. And it's like going abroad is a really big monetary investment. And God forbid anything happens between now and when you actually have to go abroad. And then, mm-hmm. like, you know, then you are stranded. So I feel like that's why he has like just do everything. And I was grateful for it because I was able to just like experience everything pretty much, but it was it was a lot. So getting to Uniben now, <laughs> what was that like? What was getting acclimatized to Uniben? Do you guys like, like have fresher events, like uh, freshman events? Man, oh my god, maybe cultist initiation. Pretty, it was pretty interesting, you know, getting to Uniben because you know I had gone to boarding school, so that helped. You know, I had lived in all these places, so you know, I pretty much like I could fend for myself. My brother and I, we didn't have any issues. I could remember this guy called Leke, and I think Leke had gone to Ohio State or something, but he didn't graduate. And his his father was pretty high up in Uniben, so his father was like, you know, I sent you to school. You want to go and do Davido or did Davido before Davido <laughs> back then? <laughs> <laughs> and you know you have to come to the university of Benin to to finish up. So he was, you know, he was just coming, and you know, he he didn't really know. You know, ni- in Nigeria, you know, respect is revered. We we had this whole one week or should I say two week process called clearance. That's what it was called. What's it's called that? clearance. Clearance is an ar- archaic process, and I'm sure they must have digitized this by now. But back then, 2006, you had to literally go to different departments of the university to kind of like present different documents. Oh. To like kind of like register your studentship, if that makes sense. After you so, already no. got in, but with different yeah, departments. no, you, you got it. So that was part of the document. So when you got it, you got your acceptance letter, right? Mm-hmm. When you got your acceptance letter, you're supposed to like take I don't know, like four passport photographs, whatever. You're supposed to have like a bank check, if I can remember correctly, of like your first year tuition or your first semester tuition, something like that. You're supposed to go to the high court in Edo State to swear an affidavit that you won't join the secret cult while you're in school. <laughs> 
no way actually no it's actually funny yeah that's a real like, thing i can imagine like that cultism was so rampant yeah that they had to do that because like imagine having to swear an affidavit that you would not join a cult oh but nigerians so, love an affidavit though i mean that yeah. is true and, and that but, process like, alone was very how, funny mm-hmm. it's not like a formal process you just say hey alpha you want to do affidavit okay see that tree there under that tree one typewriter uh-huh. one man with on <laughs> like she's really. typed like a thousand affidavits in her life and sure she just knows what's your name what's your matric number at last sign your sign your 200 naira and you don't know if you're paying the judicial system or you're just paying that woman yeah. like, there's no receipt there's no record your, your affidavit was it's not like uploaded into any of the court system <laughs> like it's just a stamp and whatever but so, it doesn't matter when you present it they accept it sure, right? yeah that's what they shall accept it so, and wait yeah. I have a question so what happens if you break an affidavit um, that's the school I think that was to, to break the, to protect the school legally because I think there were incidences like way before maybe like a decade before I joined where people had taken the school to court to say you know we have freedom of association this is a confraternity I willingly joined so the school then said okay for incoming students you have to sign that you're not going to join any of these organizations and if you were to join we'll bring out that document that oh three years ago you promised us legally mm-hmm. so this is now grounds to expel you or whatever that makes sense mm-hmm. okay yeah, that's the whole thing necessary I, I get it though because I like from Nollywood I know that cultism is a very big issue big issue yeah yeah in Nigeria it's so funny right. because here it's like there's sororities and everything Nigeria is cultism is it, that's, any, that's I mean, how it actually started it started with the pirate confraternity we were showing all those guys were more like a frat like you had to do well in school you had to be like on a 4.0 gpa to join whatever but you know it just like everything in nigeria it starts off else. good and you know it just like becomes that. something else was that something that you struck like you did you experience any people trying to actively initiate you into a cult um not really so i was lucky like I, I like to say I went to Uniben during like the five year peace window, if that makes sense. Like before I had come to Uniben, I think like three years before, or two years before, a lot of my, the people who are like two or three years ahead of me, they would tell me when they were in their first year, there was a guy, there was a very popular guy who they killed when he was writing his final year exams. And he was like the head of one cult. So after that, like the whole school tightened down the whole thing. We had to sign up for David. The security was, you know, heightened. I also told you about the post UMA exams that started you know when i took my first jam because of that exam the age of people going into nigerian universities dropped so usually before post umes it was just the norm the average secondary school leaver will spend like four years at least waiting for university so by the time you get into university you're like 21 by the time you finish you're like 25 26 but because post ume a lot of people were getting into university at 16 17 it was a very young in fact it was very funny because we're coming in we're like you know 17 ish then people were like in their fourth year or fifth year were like 27 <laughs> so the, the, the oh like we couldn't even like so when older guys are like kind of like i just feel bad for our girls then because when older guys will like want to like you know talk to a girl like you're talking to this 17 18 year old girl and you're mm-hmm. 26 you'll be like intimidated plus it's uniband you don't know who's who so um yeah all those things helped during the four years i was in uniband we didn't experience too much it kind of like got ramped up after i graduated and you know uh, there were incidences before i came but while i was there it wasn't too bad like i had you know one or two friends that had you know suspicious behaviors but you know me i was more like the class clown suspicious behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not to give it away but <laughs> i was more like the class clown kind of guy i was free with everyone you know i made friends with everyone like no one really bothered me because they just knew that one no size of cool guy it doesn't 
I know that guy's not really, you know, up that for this life, whatever. That is so interesting. Like, I didn't even know that people got into school that late. But it makes mm-hmm. sense to me now. Because, like, I don't know if you guys had the same experience. Like, my parents, like, when my mom would tell me when she got married. Like, it was always, like, she got married in school. Like, when she was in university. Makes but then she'd sense. she would tell me her age. And I'm just like, I don't get Why were like, you still there? Oh. <laughs> Why are you still So, in my head, like, even though I never even said this. But in my head, I'm just like, I, I don't know. Is there something that, like, you know, <laughs> made you stay nah, slightly nah, longer? Wait, but wait, it wait, actually wait. makes so much sense. Yeah, with each generation, the students get younger. And yeah. even now, like, you know, like I said, we had kind of like a mix. But now it's like everyone's just young. Even the lecturers or the professors are young. Back then, during our parents' time, it was even worse then because some of them grew up in the village and, you know, they had to, like, fend for their families and they ended up going to school in their 30s even, Damn. you know. But, you know, that was like in the 60s or whatever. But, you know, right now it's like all good. Can you actually give a breakdown for like maybe people that are not familiar with exactly what the cultism problem is? My only like experience or um this thingy knowledge knowledge yeah of cultism is from Nollywood and you know how they used to exaggerate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually like how it's it's if that's a good depiction of what it was. No, it's funny you say that because you know when I watch all these Alte videos and you know people using cult references and there's actually like a fashion line called Cult Army in Nigeria. Hmm. right now like you just know that these people didn't really experience their life that's why they are taking this thing so lightly but i think like i said i think it was started as fraternities in i want to say the 60s or the 70s or something we were issuing kind of like the national association of sea dogs or the pirates confraternity at the university of ibadan um you know back then you had to be really intelligent you know um if you were there you know girls looked up to you you know your professors looked up to you whatever because you know it was more like an exclusive skull and bone freemason type of thing Mm. um but over the years i guess you know there were breakaway factions people you know that couldn't get in were like you know they'll fuck you then i'll go start my own thing Mm. and because the less intelligent people this is the myth were starting their own thing there wasn't as much direction as you know the fraternities were you know the, the the brilliant people were and you know they just started doing different things you know robberies and of course during the military regime during abacha um because a lot of the resistance of the military regime were coming from university professors nigerian universities were like pretty much opposition grounds for the military the abacha government or let me not say abacha the military regime used the cultists like armed them to like cause havoc in school to make sure like they went out so it was like political as well and then you know they started joining politics using them as political talks it just you know Everything just fell through from there. And, you know, you, you had a case of uh, where you arm all these people. They have guns. They have political connections. Okay, when's not an election here? What happens? Oh, you know, this person from that faction stepped on my shoe. How dare you step on my shoe? Don't you know who I am? Or you talk to my girlfriend. Do you know who I am? Mm-hmm. Or you're That's wearing what blue we saw while in we wear blue. Exactly. Why would you wear blue when you're not a member that. of this faction? You know, then it just became like a counting score thing. So what's the score now? It's 6-0. Oh, it's 4-2. That means four people are dead on this side, two people are dead on that side kind of thing. Basically became so, gangs, you know? Pretty much, like Crips and Bloods kind yeah, of things. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so. My uncle said, like, when he went to university, there were two different cults. And, like, I guess they used to, <laughs> they used to call color of the day. <laughs> And if today they're wearing red and you're not part of the cult and you wear red, they'll harass you or something like that. I actually heard right. about that. 
Yeah, your your uncle might might have gone to school like during the early days. Like it got to a time where there were so many colors, like just lock up and wear white because anything you wear will be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Even turn to a a situation where jerseys started becoming a thing. Like if you wear Chelsea jersey, this Uh, was like the DDA Drogba Lampard Chelsea. Chelsea. If you wear a Chelsea jersey, like you belong to some. So people could even support their soccer teams because it means something. Yeah. So. Damn. I have a question. So I know yeah. that, like, you know, so Bini is, they have a reputation for, like, lots of jazz, essentially. <laughs> Was that something right. that, and, like, I mean, like, I know it's also kind of true because, like, my grand, my, my mom's from Bini, my grandma's from there, and I've heard so many stories. But was that something that you experienced in school? Like, did you see a lot of jazz being used? Like, just, like, did you experience anything related to that? Or was that all just, like, a myth to you? And, Imama, can you break down what jazz is for non-Nigerian oh, sorry. listeners? So jazz it's is music. Music, cool music. <laughs> it means something <laughs> else in Nigeria. True. So jazz is cool music, but in Nigeria, it's also known as juju, which is known as black magic. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You, you know the funny thing? Whenever I hear people say jazz, like jazz is a Nigerian thing. Yeah, it might be some people of Benin or other states in general might have. It might be a little more open, but in secret, like it's a Nigerian thing. Like the number of or the amount of or the level of jazz that goes on on Lagos Island. Oh, it's like, a lot. It's crazy. <clears throat> so, you know, but, you know, there are a lot of flashy buildings and whatever. So it's, it's kind of like mask. Like I worked in the banking industry and you're the jazz in the banking industry. Mm. But, you uh-uh. know, cha- uh-huh. yeah, you'd be surprised. What they uh, use it for? Asper, what are they using it for? <laughs> no, you you'll, you'll be surprised. Like a lot of things just just go on. But you know, to no, answer that, your no, 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 no. You think so you, do you, like, do you believe? No, but do you, you believe in jazz? <laughs> How can you say they use jazz in banking and just want to go ahead? Banking, I mean, you, you were part of it. And you don't want to tell us. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You dug yourself into that one. You can't come out that quick. <laughs> I mean, it's not. let me not just say banking. Like in any work environment, I happen to have worked in banking and banking was the only thing I did for the most part while I was in Nigeria. So that's why I can speak to banking. But in any work environment, particularly like the civil service, you know, universities, wherever you work in Nigeria, you know, Nigeria has a thing with tribalism. Nigeria has a thing with classism. Nigeria has a thing with jealousy and stuff for the most part. So a lot of people tend to use different things. Like if you work in the civil service environment like i'm sure your parents will be able to tell you this but maybe they protected you i don't know what line of work they were but you know maybe early in their careers or something you you go to your desk maybe you're up for promotion and two people are up for that promotion you know you go to your seat in the morning and you see some kind of red feather or whatever and you know the other person is trying to tell you hey back off that's my promotion kind of thing nice. so yeah, wait stuff question like that. do you do you actually believe in jazz or is it just I something believe in jazz um Define believe. I don't, I know it exists. Like, I'm not, how will I put this? I'm not ignorant to the fact that, you know, some people say, oh, you know, whatever I don't believe in cannot affect me, whatever. I am African. I am whatever. Like, I know that whole history that oh, this is what they did before the Europeans came with Christianity. I'm not totally oblivious or ignorant and say, no, it doesn't exist. I know it exists. I've seen things that I cannot explain. Oh, tell us, tell us. What did you see that you can't explain? We should do a story, like an episode on just jazz. Beyond university talks. (laughs) No, but did you say anything in university? university Oh, in university? um, I heard of a lot of things in university. So there was this popular thing in Benin called Ayelala. And Ayelala is kind of like 
I don't know, it's supposed to be some kind of spirit, but whatever happened, you know, when I was in school, that was when phones were just starting to become a thing. Like 2007, 2008, Blackberries were just coming out. They were pretty expensive. So if anyone like steals anyone's phone or, you know, someone sleeps with someone's girlfriend, whatever it is, the next thing is like, let's go swear by Ayelala or something. Yeah. So that didn't happen in school, but like, look, mm. who stole my phone? Do you know what? All my roommates, we have to go into town and look for one Baba or I'll swear with Ayelala and whoever stole the phone, that person will be knocked unconscious. Like those guys always went to town. I never followed them, but you just hear that oh, one of the roommates eventually went to the hospital or something. No, so everything is happening around you, but you were not part of it. No, seriously, I was no, I was there's this term called Jew in school. Jew means you're more or less like a square, right? Mm-hmm. You're neither here nor there. You know, you might know about a lot of stuff that's going on, but people just know you like, oh, no, that's just the guy. Like, don't bother him. Like, it's just, just whatever. Let him be. So that's like the kind of person I am. Guy. Yeah, just a cool guy. Like, mind his own business, you know, you know, reads his books. You, you go for a beer every now and then, but you know to leave before 10 p.m. because by 11 p.m. the group of people are coming, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I, I, th- I think I can classify myself as a Jew. So I was around a lot of stuff. I didn't participate in mm. a lot of stuff. So yeah. that's how I can explain it. Yeah. It's so crazy because when I hear the experience of Nigerian universities and compare it to here, it's like there's almost no comparison at all. Like, no, there's also there's this no. argument that um, if you went to school in Nigeria, it just it prepares you better for here than actually going to school here Def. in terms of challenges. And this is something. This is a narrative I hear all the how? time. How so? so yeah, yeah, I want to hear from you. Yeah, I actually need to understand how yeah, so. Because so? I don't I, get it. If I went to like COVID or like Babcock I don't think I'll be prepared for any yeah, life right when we say Nigerian University I don't think they're talking about Covenant or Babcock okay <laughs> they mean like public yeah universe. like you know the, the <laughs> okay, university but, okay, but if, even the public one though how does that prepare you for coming oh, to it, it, it most definitely prepares you I mean I, I did my master's in Washington DC right my undergrad in Nigeria my, my master's in state it's totally different to get like number one no one is victimizing you in any way Especially for, you know, you guys know the whole sex for grades thing that doesn't happen in the States. Like what if you read and you, you, you know, write your exams and you pass and you do your assignments, you get your scores. Like in Nigeria, like a lecturer can just decide he doesn't like you. Maybe his wife was from uh, Benue State and divorced him. And you, your name sounds Benue. Oh, man, you're in for shit. You know, Yo, that kind of thing. Then the infrastructure, like the infrastructure, the classes are never big enough. Like at least when I was going, like it's like a class that could sit like 80 to 100 people have like 250 people in it. Oh. There was never electricity, so everyone is reading with candlelight. Yeah, you, ha- you have to navigate your way around your lecturer. Like your lecturer's secretary is your best friend. You're always buying her the new Ankara material just so <laughs> she can help you like check your scores or do something or help you put your test on the top or help you you know expensive. tell you when your lecturer is in the good mood so you approach him, you know, to whatever. Like Dang, it's what? a whole thing. But coming here and having to experience all that, all I have to do is read and write exams. Like mm. you can't compare. So but doesn't that prep you like doesn't Nigerian yeah, University prep you for you? Yeah, prep you for Nigerian system, but not necessarily. No, here. not necessarily. Do you know why? Because okay. amidst uh, all those obstacles, you still succeed. That's the thing. Like Nigeria, like you face so so many obstacles, but you still find a way just by it's just like the guys in Nigeria are doing so, like, tech, right? Hardened. 
Like when you're coding, you to be more resilient. Is that what exactly. you're saying? Exactly, it teaches you to be more resilient. Just like the guys in in Nigeria right now doing tech, you know, the flutter waves and the pace. Like you can't compare them to the startups in San Francisco. Those guys have to deal with area boys, have to deal with diesel and generators, have to deal with people stealing their computers with their code on it, have to deal with cybersecurity. You can't compare it to a San, San Francisco-based startup that just left uh, UC Berkeley and got angel funding from his dad's friend and just setting up a WeWork office somewhere. Like it's different like when you go through that whole thing it teaches you to be resilient that when you come here so that's why a lot of parents tend to send their kids back home like if you're born in the states or whatever they, they tend to send you even though that practice is not as popular they tend to send you back home for like boarding school or something you know like just finesse like her, her father yeah. sent her back to nigeria for a few years yeah. just so she can you know experience some of that stuff that it, it you know gives you an edge you know in a saner climate you know it's kind of like yeah, but yeah, that, that's what I have to say about that. Like, I get what you mean, but um, just to put in context, and I guess this also speaks to our university experience. So we mm. went to university around the time that Nigeria entered a serious recession, right? Mm. So right. maybe the, the sets before That could have been any time within the last 50 years, though, by the way. Crying! <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it, no, was, it was. No, this one was, was actually very bad. Or it was between like uh, twenty. Yeah, no, this one was a very bad one. It was bad because they, they weren't even allowing you send money above, yeah. to your people abroad. So it was when dollar went from like one fifty to it basically like doubled essentially. Yeah, and it was really crazy because I think there was a point in time where your parents actually couldn't even really send you like upkeep money. So I feel like a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I can only really speak for Canada. I can only speak for Canada. But a lot of people look at pre that recession and post that recession because pre that recession we're living like kings and queens. Like mm. literally, you see people like you know spending <laughs> we money. Kings. We didn't know we was kings. We didn't right. know the value of money and everything. But then post that recession, like a lot of people couldn't get money to fees to, to, to live, yeah, rent a lot, feeding money, blah blah blah. <laughs> so then we had a lot of people like you know take up jobs and really start understanding the value of money and everything. So I feel like maybe that's just one aspect but i feel like it taught us to be more independent and we were also in a foreign land so i guess it's different too from being mm-hmm. in nigeria where maybe you have your parents to fall back on like there, there were people that literally didn't have anywhere to sleep at that point in time people were literally oh. scratching to get back. okay so that's that's the thing the fact that you're in nigeria doesn't mean you have your parents to fall back on you know schools like Uniben, Unilag, no, schools like CU and Babcock and all that, like 80% of people who go to those schools might be like from the, how, how would I put it, like the higher class, if that makes sense. But schools like Uniband, you know, like whatever public schools, it's a mix. Like you have people from the higher class, people from the lower class, people from middle class. Like I was from the middle, I was like always like smack in the middle, whatever you talk about. If it's academics, sports, I was always like smack in the middle. So I could see both sides. Like you, you were there. It doesn't mean that, oh, because you're in Nigeria, like we had people whose fathers didn't even know what school they went to. We had people who came from polygamous homes and they had like six, six different stepmothers with like 40 something children. Like people had to fend for themselves in school. Like, like people had to invite put on shows like people became popular in school put on shows bring mi you know just to make money people were you know selling clothes some girls were doing runs like different things like <laughs> legal or illegal i love like, how you, you know. place that as one of the hustles <laughs> I, hey legal or illegal like people were just doing different things some people were like you know writing exams for other people that's how they were oh, 
paying their tuition. So it, it's not like, hey, you know, oh, I'm, I'm in Nigeria, my parents are close by. Like your parents can be next door, but your parents might not be able to do anything for you. But you maybe know, like was, at least relatives. And I'm, I'm not comparing struggles because at least like I feel like a lot of people were doing a lot of things so that they didn't have to go back to Nigeria because around that point in time, there was also a lot of stories of people that had to return back to Nigeria because literally their tuition had doubled and it was crazy. Those, those people, those mm. people, if they went to university in Nigeria, that wouldn't have happened because that mm. is the resilience I'm talking about. Because mm. if you went to undergraduate, uh, undergrad in Nigeria and say went to your master's or went to get a second degree in the US, even if, you know, something happened, your parents lost their, lost their business, they couldn't send you money. That resilience you had built from undergrad will make you find a way in Canada or Italy oh, oh, or US wait, or wherever you were. Um, I, I'm talking. I'm talking tuition. Like the people that went back, it was because ultimately it was a tuition mm-hmm. problem. I understand that. No, I understand tu- tuition. Tuition, tuition is, is something that, at least here for international students, it's not money that you can scratch from nowhere. Do you get what again, I mean? Again, again. You think if you if you, I'm telling you, like I've seen it. Like it's, I'm not just. This is, I'm not just. Like he, he not sounds. Research. He I've sounds. He sounds like legit. Uh, there are a lot of people I've spoken yeah, to. Yeah, there are a lot of people like they. They, you know, like I said, they're they like, have, okay, you know what? Like, My parents really, can't do anything for me. Tuition of what twenty six thousand dollars or whatever is due in five months. How do I make this happen? So I have one thousand dollars right now. How do I flip that into twenty six in five so, months? So here's the thing, right? Okay, so I. So the reason why I'm like here, I, this sounds familiar to me, is because I feel like a lot of people who went to school in Nigeria and come here have that like mentality that, of course, once you go to school in Nigeria and you come here, everything anything, is easy. You can do so I guess um, more or less like, okay, so okay, you said you've heard of it. Like, what stories have you heard where someone in undergrad or someone here who, for mm-hmm. example, like I guess you know they're going through masters or something there, or they had a support system that suddenly left them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was their story essentially or how how did they do it like how is that even possible something like that yeah yeah, like i feel like in nigeria it might be even feasible like i see how in nigeria it's feasible to gather money anyhow anyway but in this system i feel like because there's so many checks and balances and all these things it's hard to get that much money in such a short do you get the system keeps you in a certain (laughs) place do you get what i mean and i think Okay, yeah, go on. Sorry, I really it, want to it, It's all about the hustle. You know, like I said, definitely there are people who, you know, have gone back and, you know, because everything dried up. But there are people who just the fact that, you know, there are ni- a lot of Nigerians who believe that, that, look, I don't need anything. Like, I don't need money. I don't need whatever. Like, those things would be nice. But all I need to recognize is that the fact that I'm Nigerian are definitely going to make a way. So practical examples, like I've seen people who, you know, pretty much drove uber for like 12 hours a day to like do that tuition thing that there's always a way like okay even if you don't come up with the whole twenty six thousand dollars, okay at the end of the five months you have like 11k saved they'll walk up to their financial aid office explain the situation to them say okay put me on the payment plan let me give you a thousand dollars a month i'll buy me more time while i do this do that flip that flip that like you know, Nigerians are very resourceful. So like, because when they like, how would you have spent two years or two, 2.5 years in an undergraduate degree, maybe a year to go and you've already spent say 70 grand and you have like 30 grand to go. Yeah. Something happened with your parents. You know, they can't send you money. Then you then go home, like lose your admission. Like the two years, the 70 grand goes to waste, like that kind of thing. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've seen people like, 
come out of it. They'll come together, you know, go to a bar, we'll drink, we'll contribute, say, okay, what can we do? Like, what do we have to sell? Like, you know, I've seen that. Well, you know, I don't think that also depends on you going because there are people who I feel like even coming here for uni also went through that process, like actually like worked hard to stay. Like, I mean, I don't know any specific stories, but there are ways you can go. I can see how you go. You can, you can become part-time. Like, I mean, you're not allowed to be a part-time student, but there are certain exceptions Mm -hmm. you can get. And like, if you're able to get that exception and for example, if you're able to do content contract work where the government is not tracking your hours okay we can take this part off just because <laughs> crying i want my canadian citizenship <laughs> no but do you now see how that so i don't think it depends on breaking the system mm. like do you get like not following the way that the system is structured it no. involves some kind of illegal activity. no no not necessarily it doesn't always have to involve illegal even though that does happen and it's just yeah. me being candid like i can speak for america i can't really speak for canada but i think it's almost similar like there are a lot of opportunities if you're willing to put in the time to do the research in a way it's just like um, um i think it was matilda that said usually you're not allowed to work right but if you can prove economic hardship you can actually through your school's international students um, office a petition the United States Custom and Immigration Service to permit you to work for a year due to unforeseen economic... But, you know, just because the process... Yeah, just because the process is not as straightforward and, you know, you're just like, oh, you know, something happened and that's the end. But if you're like, no, let me really check what actually can be done. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can... There are ways to, you know, because I've seen situations where the school put people in touch with their embassies. I went to school in D.C., so that's where all the embassies are. them in touch with their embassies their embassies now put them on some kind of diplomatic status mm. that enabled them work for the embassies part-time while they paid off like it's just like are you willing to accept the situation give up and accept the situation and say oh that's the end or you're willing to say no there has something has hey, to we. give you know yeah that that's that's actually like a lot that's a lot <laughs> That's a lot. I don't think. I mean, if that was to happen to me, the right route I would take is quote unquote the legal route of just working more hours under the table, just because that is more accessible, right? But then having right. to go it through that easier. process, yeah, having to go through that process does seem very difficult. Like, it's not something I would think to do right off the bat, right? I mean, yeah, it's not something I or um, open what they called one of those GoFundMe's and stuff like that. Yeah, right. but like I, I wouldn't think to do that. That seems like yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, definitely interesting. But yeah, is there I any other? I get to hear about your university experience. Oh yes. Um, huh. Interesting. You know, all I, I remember like, really. Sorry, Imam. No, 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 go, go ahead. So the university just ended not so long. <laughs> no, but but no, but I don't really remember. Like, do you, you know how you guys have all these stories? Like, honestly, I remember doing school. Yeah, yeah. Like, because all three of us were engineering, so like it was school. Like, yeah, yeah. there were parties and stuff here and there. Like once a year. Yeah. <laughs> no, <nah. laughs> there were parties. There were events. There were um, you know, that you could do extracurricular clubs um i did a year of co-op too so i was off of school for a year to work and that was also a really good experience but it's not like these stories i hear in nigeria like it's, it doesn't sound as like you know life-changing eventful thing yeah no there was no life-changing eventful thing that happened in my university honestly it was very it's it was really just like school 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 and then whenever it's funny because whenever i have this conversation with someone who went to school in 
Nigeria and say, oh, university was hard for me because I all I did was school. They're like, hmm, oh. well, you don't have to go through this, 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 this. But I'm like, well, how are you trying to take away from my experience? It was still yeah. very difficult, right? And on top of that, I was working yeah, too. Yeah, it's true. After that recession, like, I think I and Hadiza actually went through that together. Yeah. <laughs> Remember our first job at that school? That oh, was that our first job? That was our first job. They were paying us like... I swear I worked. No, no, it was our first job because you got the job first and then... Okay, and then I got then, subsequent yeah, jobs after like, that. Like literally, yeah. but Hadiza is the biggest hustler. Maybe you want to talk about this because me, I used to stay. I worked retail. <laughs> Wait, I also worked through school now. Imama, you worked like... Imama was... Do- no, see, Imama was doing it as no, a no, choice. No, I worked... Uh-huh, but I still hustled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, you know, if I have the yeah. money, hustle wars, man. <laughs> if I have the right. money, it's great. If I don't, it's okay. <laughs> no, this one was, I, I have to work otherwise, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Hadiza showed me resilience. Hadiza gave us resilience. Hadiza would work like multiple jobs at Oh, yeah, there was a time I was working with like, but the things, I never went over my hours, though. It no, was no, just no, 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 I know. Sure it was just to make sure that you I got my maximum, my maximum hours, hours yeah, yeah just to make sure i was actually getting the amount of money i needed every month because yeah. like um with okay so with international students here in canada they give you a an hourly restriction per week so with school you can't work mm-hmm. over 20 hours a week mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so in a month that that gives you back then with minimum wage that gives you a thousand dollars a month plus or minus if you work that 20 hour mark right and if you are paying your rent yourself and doing all of your living costs yourself that does it. So if you work under that, like you don't get I'm enough money, enough. Yeah, yeah, for the month, right? So and basically working to live, to pay work, to pay work, to pay work, to pay. So it was it, it was a lot. Ah, uh, and then uh, when I explain my experiences to someone who went to school in Nigeria, they're like, eh, but you didn't have to go through. School is easy. Uh, schooling right. there is easy and I'm like I hate that thing though. I feel like there's a perception yeah, of just yeah, belittling your experience right yeah and there's this sense right. of schooling abroad that I guess seems easy to like the average Nigerian in Nigeria Nigerian that, yeah it just seems like oh okay it's easy and stuff but the systems are so different also the culture the, the challenges are different too. yeah Being honestly younger I feel like too, for me like Oh no, I'm just gonna say, like, I feel like for me, like, most of the, like, most of my things was, like, less about the hustle and more about the culture shock and the age. Because, like, right. I, first of all, I came to school, I got into university at, like, 16. Mm-hmm. And everybody in first year was, like, 18 and 19. So I couldn't really, like, I, it was just a lot. Like, you know, just, like, having to interact with them. And then it really actually wasn't until I was in third year that I felt comfortable enough to even go to people and, like, have actual conversations. Mm-hmm. And then there was also, like, the huge culture shock where it's, like, ugh, I'll be talking to somebody who's saying, eh, 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 eh I, I can't hear you. Energy. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> it really exactly. is. That, like, people so don't like, consider that culture shock. I, I don't think anyone should like, you know, belittle anyone's experience because they are different. Like the fact that you, whether you school in Nigeria or school here, like I went to Uniben, but again, you know, when I went to grad school, I went to school in DC. Some people end up going to school in, you know, Westchester for in one school in the middle of America where there is nothing, uh, but end up, you know, going to, to Covenant. So it really depends. But I think that age factor is also a thing because, you know, if you're going to a different country when you're like 16 or 17, having to fend for yourself, especially Especially like if you didn't go to boarding school or it didn't have to do a lot of stuff like it's different when you leave so no one should like take your experience away from you and say oh you know it's nothing you know that kind of thing but like it's just different it's tailor-made to everyone's experience so 
Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Did you have any questions? Actually, you haven't asked any questions specifically about, like, do you have any questions for us, Nosa, in terms of our experience as well? I mean, the the question I had was kind of, like, tailored to what we were going to talk about, but I guess I can still ask it. Um, do you guys have any plans to go back to Nigeria? If yes, how soon? Now, when I say go back, I may relocate, not like visit. And do you think if you have kids in the future, do you think you want them to have that Nigerian experience maybe by, I don't know, going there for boarding school or going there every summer or something? Or you think uh, it's just like Canada from here on out? Should we discuss this on Yeah, this episode? actually sounds like the other yeah, episode. Yeah. Because yeah. we still right. plan on um, doing the other episode. Yes. Because, bro, we have thoughts. We definitely okay. do have we thoughts. We have thoughts. Yeah. For days. I think every year, though, Nigeria changes your answer for you. No, no, it has changed. <laughs> right. Every year. No. No, honestly, Nigeria definitely changes my answer for me. Because sometimes I'll be like, every oh, year? Yes. So that's when I'm just like, man, honestly, I think I'm that's not changing permanently. That, really? <laughs> <laughs> what if it gets better yeah that's why i'm like maybe there's still hope maybe oh i don't know God. but we'll uh, see but we should definitely we'll see, like yeah, yeah, delve we should, into we should discuss it a little bit more on that episode yeah but okay yeah guys um let us know about your university experiences we really know that like the experience in canada is obviously different from the experience in america which is different from the experience in the uk and also even in nigeria or other african countries the experience in uniben is different from the experience in unilag is different from the experience in cu that's covenant university there the ones that they don't allow them go anywhere it's boarding school but <laughs> make it university but yeah we want to hear about your experiences so please do share it with us and be sure to check out nosa's podcast oh so nosa did you want to plug your podcast yeah sure i i record a podcast called culture class podcast where i talk to people from different backgrounds and different countries i've interviewed people from about 50 countries now just talking about you know cultural experiences interaction with other cultures travel experiences that kind of stuff so uh, check us out is culture class podcast on all podcast clients and follow us on social media as culture class podcast everywhere and cultureclasspodcast.com beautiful thank you so much and for the last time this month actually because this episode is the last one we're dropping happy black history month we love black people happy y'all black keep doing your everywhere. thing yeah black we're so black inspired black by black, black. <laughs> yo i absolutely love black people like every single time i scroll down my tail now i'm seeing like black people do like just amazing things and i'm really hopeful for the future for us i think the future is black but yeah anyways bye guys bye hi thanks for having me guys thank, thank you. you for coming on